Greetings. I want you to know it is a real privilege to stand here. I don't take this lightly. Uh, it is such an honor to be able to uh, share with you from my heart and uh, share with you from the Word of God. We kind of talked about prizes and that kind of good thing last weekend being Valentine and what we did for our, our mates and that kind of good stuff. But uh, I want you to reply to me. What do you love the best? What's the best thing that you love? Hello? You are out there. You didn't leave already, did you? And matter of fact, were you online? I want you to do the same thing. Uh, I want you to go ahead and answer the same question. What do you love the best? And go ahead and uh, comment. They'll take care of that. They'll comment right back. So in the room, what, what have you got? What do you love the best? Warm weather. Warm weather. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? Oh, come on. Who? What was this one over here? Popcorn. Okay, we got popcorn. What else do you love the best? Okay, awesome. I'm sorry on this one? Our dogs, okay. Well, that's great. You know, we have all these things that we can love. Let me give you a, a list of some other things that we use the word love for as well. Uh, we love a good cheeseburger, don't we? I know I do. <laughs> I really like a good cheeseburger. And the other thing, too, that uh, we love the way some of the, may, another phrase that we use the word love in, we love the way we feel when we're out on the water in our boat. Another one. That, matter of fact, this one didn't come up, I don't think. It did first service, uh, that I love my children. And this one hasn't come up either service, so this one must be a, really a loser, is uh, I love my job. But do you see yourself in any one of those statements? Now, all four of these statements, uh, you know, are true, and they use the word love, and in each describes a very different experience, though. You know, when I say I love a good cheeseburger, uh, I'm saying I enjoy a bite of cheeseburger inside my mouth, along with tomato and ketchup. Oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, but, you know, and the way it tastes, and then I, I get to swallow that. And when I say I love being out on the lake in my boat describes a, a subject of experience, of pleasure that aroused by my environment. When I say I love my children describes an emotion I have for them. Or when I say that I love my job shows a value or ideal that I hold. Folks, isn't it weird? I always thought I, I'm... Uh, not a student of language. You can ask anybody that because I flunked literature and English both. Um, but it's kind of weird how we have taken different words and used them, just like the word love. We use the same verb to talk about how we feel about our children and our favorite food. Now, the problem is when we use the word love to describe how we feel about so many different things, it kind of loses its luster a little bit. And maybe we even miss the true meaning of what it's all about. Now, I'm also sure that there's some people sitting in this room that struggle with the word love. It's probably because of past experiences. And maybe, you know, you grew up in a very toxic or chaotic family. Maybe you were in a relationship where they swore they would love you forever. But that relationship ended badly. Now, if you can relate to either one of these, then you may or may not struggle with expressing love or even accepting love. Now, on the flip side of that, 
Maybe you grew up in a very loving family where love was expressed on a daily basis and the relationship that you have with your spouse today is just wonderful. Well, if this describes you, then you may not have a problem expressing or accepting love. Now, with that in mind, whenever we read a phrase or hear a phrase using the word love, our minds then filters that phrase through three things. First, by our own definition of love. Second, by our past experiences of love. And third, by how we think love needs to be expressed. So I ask you a question, how do you define love? Webster's Dictionary, I love this. I looked it up. The word love in Webster's Dictionary, they give you as nine different definitions of the word love. Nine. I think, man, that's awesome for the word love. They take you from everywhere of your feelings towards somebody to a score that's kept when you play tennis. Isn't that wild? <laughs> so how do you, what is your definition of love? But I think with, through, through Webster's, they have left out one of the greatest definitions, one of the most important definitions of all. And that definition is that love is a choice. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. This definition of love is not about emotional feelings or words that you use to describe our enjoyment with cheeseburgers or our boats or describe how we feel toward our children or our jobs. No, folks, when our first choice is love, we choose to love our friends, our neighbors, our mates, even when they hurt us. We choose to love people that doesn't agree with us, with our political views. We love them anyway. We choose to love people who wear masks and those who don't. When we choose love, we begin to understand more about what Philippians 2.3 says when it says, in humility value, choose to love others above yourself. So what is your approach to the deepest level, your inner being, your gut, if I may say, what is your approach to love from that level? What do you think it is? Do you think it is an emotional feeling? Do you think it's an action? Do you think that it's an, an act you perform? You see, how you define love will affect the way you comprehend the passage of scripture we're gonna unpack this morning out of John 21, 15, where Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me more than these? Now here's the setting where Jesus asked this question. It's a short time after Jesus' resurrection. We don't know basically what amount of time. It could be somewhere between a week to a month uh, after that resurrection. And it's evening time. Peter, along with six other disciples, you know, we're all hanging out at the local Starbucks, throwing back a few and, and talking about the, the things that's been going on. Now, Peter decides he's going to go fishing, and the other six decide they're going to go with him. Well, they fish all night, and they, by daybreak, they have nothing, nothing to show for it. Sounds like one of my own fishing trips, to be honest about it. They say, they see a man standing on the shore. He calls out to them and says, hey, friends, hey. 
He said, how many fish have you caught? Now, like any good fisherman, they're going to tell the truth. They says, no, we don't have a thing. But you should have seen the one that got away, right? You know, but Jesus calls out. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat. Now, hang on just a minute. How many of us fishermen are sitting out in the boat with their lines cast out on one side of the boat and some dude standing on the bank says, hey, if you reel those in and throw them out on the other side, you'll catch fish. How many of you are going to do that? Well, guess what? They listened, they did, and they caught a boatload of fish, like 153 to be exact. Then John, who was one of the six, recognized that it was, was Jesus. Well, when Peter did, he jumps out of the boat into the water and he heads for the shore while the rest of the crew are handling that large catch and they make their way in. When everyone reaches the shore, Jesus invites them to have some breakfast, some good old grilled fish sandwiches that he'd already prepared. And after breakfast, Jesus looked at Peter and asked him, do you love me more than these? Right, it looks like to us, as we read into that, right in front of everybody that was around, all the other six guys that was there, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Now, in our day and time, that question uh, would make some of us kind of uneasy. You know, when they have a guy ask another guy, do you love me? Well, in today's world, because, you know, we've taken that word uh, and we've kind of butchered it and turned it into uh, where it means it's a sexual thing. Today, if a man tells another man he loves him, then they must be gay, right? Well, that's the reason men have a tougher time than ladies expressing love, especially when it comes to expressing love to another man. It doesn't seem to bother ladies that they tell one another that they love each other. But when it comes to guys, that's a whole different story, especially as older guys. You know, we may struggle some, you know, because we were raised in a culture where that just didn't take place. It was just not the thing that you did. But let me be very transparent with you this morning. There are men that I do not have a problem with walking up to them and telling them I love them. And you may look at me and say, hmm, you're gay. No. No. You know what? Those guys are very, very special. I don't love them because they're handsome. That's a joke, son. A little bit of foghorn leghorn there. I don't love them because I can beat them at pool or at golf. I don't love them because uh, they're an outstanding musician. I don't love them because their friendship benefits me. No, man. It is because we started an acquaintance several months, several years ago. We've hung out together. We began to share one another's joys, one another's troubles, one another's experiences. That friendship developed into a deeper relationship and in time developed into a strong commitment to their well-being. We choose to love one another. Folks, I want to point out this is not the first time that Peter met Jesus. This is not the first time. Now, some of you people out there are going, well, sure, duh, we know that. Well, there may be some online in here that doesn't realize that. 
They were introduced clear back in John chapter 1 where we find out that he traveled with Jesus, he ate with Jesus, he experienced a great deal of, of with things that he had with Jesus over three, three and a half years. Peter witnessed Jesus turning water into wine. He witnessed Jesus break down some uh, prejudicial barriers with uh, a Samaritan woman. Peter sat and talked with Jesus many, many times. Heard him teach, saw him walk on the water, traveled to many places with him. Witnessed Jesus call people to accountability. Peter witnessed the transformation uh, of uh, Jesus along with James and John. He was a part of Jesus' triumphal entry in, into Jerusalem. He shared in the Passover where Jesus told him that you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And his reply was, no way, no way, no way. When just a few hours later, he did exactly what he said he wouldn't do. He witnessed his crucifixion. He saw the empty tomb, saw Jesus come alive again. So you can see Peter and Jesus' relationship developed into a brotherly love for one another. Now when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He is not asking Peter, do you love me in a sexual way? He's asking, who do you value more? Me or these guys? Now the question has nothing to do, again, with that physical love or an emotional feeling. Jesus is asking Peter to choose. Decide who he loves, who he loves more, himself, or does he love Jesus more? Just imagine if you would. Place yourself on that beach, and Jesus looks you in the eye, and he says, do you love me let that soak in just a minute he looks you in the eye do you love me mm. how will you answer what will you answer he already knows what you're thinking now, for Peter, I wonder when Jesus asked him, do you love me, if his mind raced back to a time where he was standing by the fire warming himself during Jesus' trial before the priests. And Jesus looked at him, gave him that stare when Peter denied him on the third time. Do you think his mind raced back to that when he looked in Jesus' face? Where would your mind go? Would it race back to a time where you knew you should have listened to the leading of Holy Spirit, but you didn't, thinking that your way was going to be better? <laughs> I've never done that. I just lied, okay? I've done that. When in the end you found out it wasn't the right thing to do? You see, folks, this is important. Listen to me. Listen. When you deny, when I deny the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's no different than Peter denying his love for Jesus or denying him three times. There's no difference. Because you see, within the Jewish culture, folks, when a statement or event is repeated three times, it establishes a sense of finality or completeness. When Peter denied Jesus three times, 
it conveyed that he utterly denied Jesus. That denial was seemingly permanent by that third time around. Now, in comparison, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Not once, but three times. He is conveying to Peter that his love for him is complete, is unending, and permanent. By Jesus choosing to die on the cross for our sin, he conveyed to us and to the world his love for us is complete, it is unending, it is permanent. Folks, as we prepare to enter into a time of communion, and if you haven't had the opportunity yet to grab uh, one of these cups, please, you can come down front or get them at different stations in the room or back out in the lobby. You still have a time to run out there and grab that. But as we prepare to go into that time of communion, here's what I'd like for you to do. Thank Jesus for the choice he made, that choice to die. You see, folks, when he was in the garden, he said, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Jesus chose to die for you and me. And as you eat the wafer and drink the juice, give him praise. Give Jesus praise for that choice. Because as you do this, you're proclaiming his choice to die for our sins. And after you thank him for his choice to choose you, then answer his question. Do you choose me? sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began was redeemed only beauty remained my open heart was given a name my morning grew quiet my feet rose to death 
When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace over me washes
is a second part to that little passage. I kind of laid in on the front of that, do you love me? There is a second part to that that says, do you love me more than these? What, what is he talking about when he says, do you love me more than these? Well, is Jesus asking Peter, do you love me more than your fishing business? How about is Jesus asking us, asking you, do you love him more than your business or your job? Well, is Jesus asking Peter that he loves him more than his friends? Not just the disciples sitting around there, but, you know, his friends. Do you love him more than the guys you hang out with? Is he asking me the same thing? Is he asking you the same thing? You know what I'm talking about. You know that group of guys that you hang out with, you know, where you feel that little peer pressure going on and then you say and do things that you normally wouldn't do being a Jesus follower? Well, did Jesus ask Peter, he says, do you love me more than life itself? Now, what he's talking about, what do you mean about the life that I have? Well, what about, is he asking you the same thing? Do you love Jesus more than the comfortable home that you live in? Do you love Jesus more than the fine car that you drive? Do you love Jesus more than the stuff that you've got in this world? Because, you see, that's really why I was asking you earlier what you love. Because it really gets down to it. When you say what you love, I wasn't, yes, we're being funny, but I wanted you to be able to think back to yourself what is first place in my life what do I love best is he asking Peter do you love me more than these disciples maybe he's asking you and me do you love Jesus more than you love Doc or is that a no-brainer <laughs> do you love Jesus more than you love Steve? Do you love Jesus more than you love John? Do you love Jesus more than you love James Driver? Because see, a lot of times we become even staff followers rather than Jesus followers. So is Jesus asking? Maybe he's asking, do you love me more than these disciples love me? Do you think he's asking him that? Because you see, Peter had boasted his love for Jesus in front of all these disciples. I'll be the one who is faithful, he said. But he didn't. Matthew 26, 33, he says, everyone else falls to pieces on account of you. I won't, Peter says. I won't. Now from this claim... One could say Peter believed he loved the Lord more than the other disciples did. But he didn't. He didn't. I want to share with you a little story about a guy I once knew. This guy is a lot like Peter. He was impetuous, boastful, driven strong-willed, 
had his life all pretty well planned out. Lived in a modest home with his wife and two kids. Active in his church. He taught Sunday school. Matter of fact, preached on occasion. Served in the church in various ministries. Had it all together. Loved his wife, loved his kids, loved the church, and loved Jesus. And one day, he felt a call on his heart to do ministry. Well, but he thought to himself, how in the world is that going to happen? This young man thought, God, you're calling me to go off to Bible college for four years with a wife and two kids. I can't financially do that. There's no way. So the young man thought. So his desire was to continue on with his hopes and dreams of being a part of a large construction company. And then that dream seemed to begin to unfold when he received a phone call one day and was hired by a very large construction company, home builders. He thought, man, I'm down the path now. I can fulfill my dream. Matter of fact, the company, after he was there for a while, liked his work, saw potential in this young man. One day, the vice president pulled him off to the side and was talking with him and was sharing with him, hey, you're in line for the corner office in your division. The young man was excited. And he worked all the harder. Man, life was good. Life was good. But God continued to call. God continued to ask, do you love me more than these? This young man continued to deny the call in the ministry and focused on his dream. He took care of his family, still served in the church, and he would battle with the Lord about the situation, telling God there's just no way he could financially quit his job and go off to Bible college. It just can't happen. Until one day, this young man was in his vehicle on his way to meet with a client. And a song came on the radio that he was listening to, and some of you may recognize these lyrics. It goes like this. When you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams, and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, And when you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. At that very moment, the Lord asked him again, do you love me more than these? And as the lyrics played over and over and over in this young man's head, tears began to run down his face. And he said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I love you more than this stuff. I love you more than the corner office. I love you more than chasing after the stuff of this world. After he made that commitment that day, doors began to open where he could actually see a path that he could make it into full-time ministry and get off to school. I know you guys aren't dummies. You probably figured out now that that young man 
was me and is me. And I began telling you this story by saying a man I once knew because I'm not that man anymore. Praise his holy name. I'm not that man anymore. In my younger days, I chose to make things of this world first in my life. I wanted that corner office. I wanted that corner office with a large construction company. I wanted the nice house in a nice neighborhood. I wanted better things for me and my wife and my family. That's what I wanted because that's success. That's when it happens, right? Believe me, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong at all with wanting to advance your career or have finer things in this world. But when you choose them over God, he is no longer your first love. He can't be. Because you have another love in your life rather than him. You see, once I made the choice to make God first, he began to change me. Change me from the inside out. I choose to follow Jesus. I desire to do his will and not my own. Yes, I'll make mistakes. Yes, you'll make mistakes, but praise God for grace. There are times, folks, I will follow my own will. But my ultimate goal is to follow Jesus Christ in his leading. That's the ultimate goal. Is it yours? Is it yours when you go off to the job? Is it yours when you're out on the fishing boat? Is it yours when you're sitting in the restaurant with somebody else? Is it yours? Is it yours to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit when you fill out your income taxes? Is it yours? Is it your choice to follow him or is it your choice to do what you want? What's your choice? Listen, listen to me. I know, I know that God may be calling you this morning. It may not be to full-time ministry, but I believe in my heart of hearts, you're not here by chance, and I also believe that he's calling you. I believe he's calling you to step out. I believe he's calling on you to choose him rather than to choose the stuff of this world. So the, the, the choice is up to you. It's, it's left in totally up to you. I, I've got some, I love my grandson deeply, and we were out riding around yesterday. And he says, i got a question for you, Pappy. I said, okay, what's that, bud? He says, why did Jesus even choose Judas? I said, okay, bud, I've got an answer for you. Because when he came on to be a disciple, he didn't come on to, do, to deny Jesus or to sell him out. That wasn't his purpose. It was because he was listening to Satan and the things and the desire of his own heart that led him astray. Do you get the point? He chose to follow his will. We need to choose. Because of that experience, we need to choose to follow the leading of Jesus. The question is out there. Do you love me more than blank you fill in the blank you know what it's like you know what's first in your life 
You remember we started off this morning talking about some statements, what I love? Well, you'll see them on the screen along with some others of the comments that you made here, comments that was made online as well. What have you chose to make first? Again, let me echo, is it your job? Or you want to get ahead? You want that promotion? No matter who it hurts, no matter who you got to step on, no matter how much time it takes you away from your family or your relationship with God. Maybe you're pushing your kids a little too hard. I've seen this happening. It breaks my heart. You push your kids to advance in education, and I'm not opposed to that. Not at all. Not one iota. You push your kids to advance in sports, and I'm not against that one iota. Not at all. But are you pushing them so hard that you've left their relationship with Jesus Christ on the back burner and they have no idea what that even means? That is just attending church and let the church, let the church teach them. Lead them, folks. Choose to lead them. Maybe what's first in your life is me time. You know what me time is, don't you? Sure you do. I've worked hard all week. I deserve a break. I agree. Totally, man. We, just, we work hard all week. We need a break. That me time. But I ask the question, is that me time taking place of your relationship with God? Is it still first when it comes to God? Is it still number one? That's the choice that you and I have to make. Because Jesus said, for neither you nor anyone else can serve two masters. You will either hate to one, show loyalty to the other, or else the other way around, you will be enthusiastic about one and despise the other. Jesus is asking you, he's asking me this morning, do you love me? Do you choose me that is the question for us all today so where are you with Jesus have you made a choice do you choose to follow your own will do you choose your job over him do you choose your own attitude over him this is the time for us to make a choice to what we call an invitation time. And if you have calling upon your heart, maybe you've never made a choice for Jesus Christ. You've never made that decision to accept him as Lord and Savior. Now is the time to do that. And if you're not really sure what all that means, but yet you feel that tugging and, and you want to know more, uh, I'll be here. Doc will be here. We'll be glad to pray with you, talk with you about that. There's uh, elders back in the prayer room. We'll be glad to talk with you. Well, if you don't want to come down here, you can make it off to my left back here. But don't walk out of here. <laughs> if you feel that tug in your heart, don't walk out of here and deny that because it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Maybe you're saying on the sound of my voice this morning also, whether you're online or whether you're here, I want to let you know that the invitation for you to make a decision for Christ is the same if you're online. Just go ahead and contact, go ahead and comment, and they'll walk you through that as well. But if you're leading in here, if you're in here with me today, 
or even online, you are a Jesus follower and you know that your life is not right with him. You know you've put other things ahead of him. Now is the time to choose to put him first. If you need prayer or want to chat, I'll be down here. Doc will be down here. Come, share with us. Let's stand together and let's.